The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We welcome you to March Chapel on this Sunday as we join together in scripture and song and praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via podcast. Please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we gather for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost with our special guest preacher, the Reverend Dr. Victoria Gaskell. Victoria serves as the Minister for Visitation. We gather today to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal 
that we knew not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now enter into a time of reflection on both the things we have done and the things we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, let us pray. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Epistle of James, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of them says, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 85 with the antiphon. You are favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquities of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 40, and according to St. John, chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, and 33 through 35. Glory to you, O Lord. According to St. Matthew, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And according to St. John, after he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. The title phrase of our summer sermon series, Faith in Community, can be interpreted in at least two ways. One interpretation is faith in community. Belief and trust in the idea of community itself. That is, broadly, the idea of the unity of a body of people that share something in common. Interests, location, characteristics, beliefs, and culture. Another interpretation of the title is faith in community. The ways in which faith is lived out in community, both by the individuals in a community and by the community altogether. As I am preaching this Sunday and next, I thought we might explore both these interpretations. So today we'll consider faith in the idea of community itself. And next Sunday, we'll consider some of the ways that faith is lived out by individuals in community and by the community altogether. So today, faith in the idea of community itself. Belief and trust in the idea of the unity of a body or group of people that share something in common. Interests, location, characteristics, beliefs, and or culture. But first, I'd like to tell you a little about what I've done so far on my summer vacation. Many of you know that I have the privilege to facilitate the Abolitionist Chapel Today group here at Marsh. We are a study program advocacy group in the larger resistance to human trafficking and modern-day slavery. The work is often a challenge. Human trafficking and modern-day slavery together comprise the second largest and most lucrative criminal activity on the planet. Mostly women and children, millions are victimized worldwide, and over 100,000 are victimized in the United States every year for the purposes of forced labor, 
sexual exploitation, debt bondage, child soldiering, and sale of body parts. The experiences we read about as a group are often horrific. In the great scheme of things, our group itself is small, and some days are very discouraging. Our monthly homework reminder to each other is, don't read or watch this at night, don't read or watch this alone, don't read or watch this before you go to sleep, and do something really fun after you read or watch this. But on the other hand, Abolitionist Chapel today is heartened because we are not alone. The word is getting out, and new people and groups join in the resistance all the time. Some of them are right here within the Boston University community, and some are those we have come to know in Massachusetts and the wider national and global resistance. Law enforcement, businesses, politicians, and health providers are increasingly aware of the signs and issues involved and are involved as well. We in Abolitionist Chapel today enjoy each other's company, appreciate each other's gifts and interests, and we make sure to share good news stories about what people are doing to resist this evil. I came upon one good news story on my summer vacation. We went down to visit my brother and his family near Nashville, Tennessee. While we were there, my sister-in-law took me out to lunch at the Thistle Farms Cafe and to check out their adjoining shop. The restaurant was spotless and attractive, the service was great, the food was delicious, and the almond cake. Oh, the almond cake. The almond cake invited a private experience of gustatory bliss. The shop also offered helpful and knowledgeable service and a number of kind-to-the-earth products for bath and body, all made by hand through Fifth Thistle Farms from essential oils with various wonderful fragrances. The shop also offers bags, jewelry, and household items made by Fifth Thistle Farms and by their global partners. There are also books about Thistle Farms and its accompanying residential program, Magdalene House. These are written by their founder, an Episcopal priest named Becca Stevens. What was most interesting to me about the cafe and shop, and the reason my sister-in-law took me there, is that Magdalene House is a two-year residential community. It provides food, housing, medical and dental care, therapy, education, and job training at no cost to them for women who have survived trafficking, sexual exploitation, addiction, and or life on the streets. Thistle Farms Cafe and Shop are staffed in their operations by residents and graduates of the Magdalene community, with all sales proceeds going back to the Magdalene community and to the cafe and shop. Graduates of Magdalene and Thistle Farms also receive ongoing support through networking, emergency assistance, and continuing education and job skills development. In the Thistle Farms National Network, over 50 organizations have programs based on Thistle's model of recovery, with 25 of them having residential programs, one of the biggest issues in the resistance to human trafficking and modern-day slavery is to find housing for survivors. There is a Magdalene prison program in Tennessee so that women can begin their healing journey in prison and then upon release can transition into the residential program. With its more than 30 global partners in 20 countries on five continents working to alleviate extreme poverty, the shop practices a shared trade model in which both the partner and the shop share the profits they make together. Last year alone, thousands of hours of safe housing, employment and employment support for survivors, over a million dollars in income from survivors, and hundreds of hours of counseling, therapy, and medical care were provided. 
The thistle is an apt symbol for Magdalene and thistle farms. It is considered by most to be a weed, but its taproot can grow through concrete and survive drought. Its leaves and stem are prickly in defense, but the flower is soft and full of beautiful color inside, rather like the survivors themselves as they move through the program. Out of Becca Stevens' own story of childhood loss, betrayal, abuse, and economic challenges, and out of the stories of women who have survived excruciating pain, poverty, and violence, out of these shared interests and experiences has come a community, a people truly united by shared experience and interests in healing and hope. And all of it, as Becca Stevens writes, is 20 years of witness to the truth that love is the most powerful force for social change in the world. That's a very interesting statement. Faith in love as a force for social change does not seem very evident. In these days of children separated from their parents and held in cages at our southern border, where they either suffer, where they either suffer hunger, filth, and disease, if not death, or are lost entirely so that no one has any idea where they are. Faith in community as unity through shared interests doesn't seem to have much traction either, except as very narrowly defined by certain groups more concerned for their own interests against those of anyone else, even to the death of the planet, even to the trafficking and enslavement of those they consider as commodities for their personal gratification. Part of it may be that our ideas of love and community have become fuzzy, so that we don't know what love or community actually looks like. Love is the most overused and fuzzy word in the language. I love God. I love my dog or my cat. I love Cherry Garcia ice cream. I love your hat. I love that window treatment. Community also most often seems to mean a collection of people having some common interests but not necessarily interests that create unity. For instance, my own denomination of United Methodism has many common interests, including allegiance to Jesus and an assumption of leadership and guidance by the Holy Spirit. But these are apparently not enough to overcome the demands for a litmus test around the full inclusion of LGBTQIA persons or not enough in the face of these demands to continue to maintain the unity around the other common interests and the ongoing life of the community. Jesus himself and the early church, however, had clear ideas of community and love, three of which are remembered in our scriptures this morning. John's gospel required, recalls Jesus as leaving his disciples with a new commandment. They are to love one another as he has loved them. And it is by this kind of love that everyone will know that they are Jesus' disciples. So how did Jesus love his disciples? He washed their feet as an example for them. He brought them together as a community, a group of people united by their interests in the good news of God's kingdom and in freedom from the slavery of sin and separation from God, self, and neighbor. He changed his mind in front of them as he grew into his work. The community included the original 12 men and then other men. The women who funded the ministry opened their homes and their pantries and first told the news of the resurrection. And let's not forget all those children who brought loaves and fishes and were set in the middle of the adults as examples of God's kingdom. And when the community had the examples and the training and any healing they needed, Jesus sent them out to preach and teach and heal and be examples themselves. The Gospel of Matthew recalls Jesus' story of what we now call the Last Judgment. It is the righteous, 
those who have acted in accordance with divine or moral law, who will inherit the blessing and the promises of God. They will do so because they have fed the Lord when he was hungry, given drink to him when he was thirsty, welcomed him as a stranger, clothed him when he was naked, cared for him when he was sick, and visited him in prison. And when the righteous have no idea when in fact they did all this, the Lord tells them that when they did all these things for the least of these, who are the Lord's, not just community, but the Lord's family, they have done it to the Lord himself. And the letter of James in the early church states that faith without works is dead. In other words, the way one is shown to be a faithful disciple in the Christian community is by the actions one takes, not by what one says or believes. Faith is the wellspring of action, and the example of James gives of an appropriate action is to care for the bodily needs of those who are suffering. The community of faith does not just have a spiritual mission. It has a mission of holistic engagement with the needs of the world as well. Magdalene and Thistle Farms have this kind of faith in community. They believe that the unity of people who share interests and experiences can change the world. Out of the worst sorts of abuse and exploitation, and out of being overlooked or judged harshly by others, they choose love as the power they will develop in themselves and for others to promote their own holistic hope and healing and to offer that hope and healing to others. Their community grew organically out of the people who comprised it, from Stephen's own interest in oils and balms as aids to her own healing, to the use of oils and balms by the residents to bring freshness and soothing to their own lives, to the realization that these comforts could be offered to others for their enjoyment and self-care as well, and to provide for the support and expansion of the Magdalene program and the cafe and shop to the invitations to others to join them globally in the promotion of health and healing in other places of challenge. It has not always been easy. The first batches of a combination oil they attempted in the kitchen ended a sludge on the bottom of the pot. Fears and doubts raised their heads. Survivors do not complete or relapse from the program. They go back to their old lives. They die. Human trafficking and modern-day slavery are now being called a public health crisis or a social pandemic. And life in community is always real in both its gifts and its challenges. But Becca Stevens and the Magdalene and Thistle communities ground their faith in community as did Jesus and the early church. They ground their faith in love, in what Stevens calls the four axioms of love. First, love is eternal with no beginning or end. Second, love is the story of God unfolding in our lives. Third, love is not concerned so much with dogma as it is a dogged determination to bloom and speak. And fourth, love is sufficient. The work of resistance to human trafficking and modern-day slavery is not for everyone. And even if it is generally for some, it is not the same specific work for everyone. Abolitionist Chapel today does not run a residential program. We are a program, study, and advocacy group. But all of us witness to the truth that faith in community empowered by love can change the world in our places and time. Faith and community powered by love can change the world in other places and times as well. We ourselves may not do the work that Magdalene and Thistle Farms are doing, but what communities do all of us love enough to have faith in? These communities may not necessarily be churches, although they may, like Magdalene and Thistle Farms, be deeply informed and grounded in the ideas of community held by Jesus and the early church. 
but each one of us has communities that we love and want the best for, in which we share a unity of interests and experiences. How might these communities grow organically out of our experiences and interests and the experiences of the other people who comprise them? What among our shared experiences and interests might point to ways we might invite others to join us or provide others with the holistic resources for hope and growth? There are just some things that we cannot do alone. We cannot recover from trauma or pain or find hope and new life alone. We cannot face the personal, spiritual, and societal challenge of a complex and changing world, much less find the solutions we need alone. We cannot love and be loved alone. We need the unity of community, not just the unity of shared experience and interests, but the unity of love, the kind of love that Jesus taught that we may not know as we talk about it or believe it, but we sure know it when we see it or experience it. The love that respects, that teaches by example, that speaks truth with love, that keeps our sense of humor going, that allows and leads to changed minds and changed love and changed lives. That kind of love creates not just the idea of community, but real communities with real unity that we can have faith in to carry us through to hope and to goodness. As the noted cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead reminds us, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Whether it is the community of Jesus, the community of the early church, the communities of Magdalene and Thistle Farms, or even we ourselves, amen to that. be seated. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he advised, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So let us heed his advice and pray. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, 
or come forward to kneel at the altar rail. Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Merciful and just God, we bow before you, Lord, to give you thanks with our whole hearts. We sing your praise, for your mercy endures forever. We know this because regardless of our sins, you have never retracted the opportunity for redemption. Our sin, the totality of our sin, is nailed to the cross. Great is your glory, Lord. We thank you, Holy God, for your steadfast love and faithfulness, righteousness, and peace. God of our salvation, restore us. Grant us a willing spirit so that we live according to your will, faithfully demonstrating steadfast love, righteousness, and peace towards others. We ask that you grant us your mercy and pardon our sins. Abide with us so that we forgive others as you have forgiven us. We are thankful for your peace, promised to us and delivered to us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to revive us once again so that we allow your righteousness to direct our paths. Abide with us and help us to live our lives in you, Lord, rooted, built up, and strengthened in the faith. Help us to continue our growth as Christians. We pray for our country. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. Help us to choose the most excellent way. Give us the strength to be kind and patient. Help us to resist being envious or boastful, proud or self-seeking. Abide with us, Lord, so that we are not indifferent to those in need. Help us to put your teachings about sincere love into practice so that we don't tarnish our faith or betray our hope. Abide with us so that we'll be willing to choose love. We pray for the homeless, the unemployed, and the underemployed. Comfort the sick and those with broken lives and broken hearts. Take the worry from all our minds, merciful God. When we fear what lies ahead, help us to remember that you are our companion through the difficult times and that you have promised us great blessings. Help us to keep our mind focused on you to wait for you, Lord, for you alone are our help and shield. We present our request, God, confident that if we ask anything according to your will, you will hear us. We pray these things in the name of the one who told us to ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. Amen. And now we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and invite those present here in the Nave to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We are grateful for the ministry of bearing the word in our midst this morning by the Reverend Dr. Victoria Hart Gaskell. Thank you for your word this Sunday and your uh, leadership at Word and Table next Sunday. We do look forward next Sunday to our monthly communion service. We hope you will join us again for that. Those signed up for our Vacation Bible School offering are welcome to join Mahalia Dam, our ministry assistant for children's ministry, uh, downstairs uh, in the Robinson Chapel following the service. All of the rest of you are invited to join us out on the plaza for refreshments as you are able. Uh, It's uh, good to take advantage of the warmth while we have it. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Johann Joseph Fuchs' setting of Benedictiti Domine, Psalm 85. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
creator of the universe, who grounds our being and fills existence with meaning. Use our charitable gifts for your purposes for our community so that we can continue to live in the legacy of those before us, exemplifying the ethos, passion, and heart and love for human flourishing and freedom, and the respect for moral law with a global perspective. Through Christ, the one whose life exemplified heart and service. Amen. And now, dearly beloved, let us go from this place in peace to have faith in the community that is powered by the unity of love and to promote the work of God's love and justice in the world. In the name of God who makes us, who loves us, who keeps us in everything. Amen.